The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Congratulations, everybody. You made it to the middle of the week. They said it couldn't be done, and yet, anyway. Uh, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I am Dan Vespers. This is a Hoop Ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company presentation. Sometimes I leave off the last word of that name, and they should probably get on my case about it. Uh, H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. Hawaiian Isles on Amazon is the easiest way to go about getting that stuff delivered directly to your doorstep. Uh, they'll even tell you that, by the way. It's not just me saying this is the easier way. If you go to Amazon.com and search for Hawaiian I-S-L-E, that's as far as you really need to get, and it'll fill in the rest for you. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee is an easy search to do. Uh, you've got all these opportunities that are coming prime. They've got their classic, that's prime. They've got their vanilla macadamia, that's prime. Kona hazelnut, that's prime. Macadamia decaf, if that's your jam. Irish cream, the K-Cups, those are not prime, but they do have those as well. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, check them out immediately, HawaiianIsles.com, Hawaiian Isles on Amazon. Uh, And also check out Hoopball. I know that I often, you know, I say their name at the beginning of the podcast, but this is a hoop ball show. That's where we originated from. Come and join us in our madness, our mania, as we get ready for draft night. Hoop-ball.com, at HoopBallFantasy is the website, or the uh, Twitter handle, at HoopBallTweets is also out there. We also have team coverage. Uh, we're going to have nine podcasts going at HoopBall here in the next week or two. I wanted to do one really important thing at the beginning before we dive into what we got going on today. And that is to let you guys know, we are recruiting actively at HoopBall right now. It is hard recruiting season. It actually probably started a week ago, and I forgot to talk about it for a few shows here with all the other stuff we got going on. But I put it on my list today. I actually made a list. I checked it three times. The clarion call is out. Allow me to uh, elucidate here a little bit. Hoopball is looking for all good people. Most importantly, we need a morning slash midday editor at Hoopball. This is the very rare paid position. It's not much, but it is the very rare paid position. So if you can write really well, you need to be outstanding in this department, well above average, because you're going to be overseeing some things. Hit me up. At Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. You can send me a direct message through the HoopBall back end. We have a private messaging system built into the website. Twitter is always the easiest. Just say, hey, Dan, I'm interested in what you talked about on the podcast. We can direct message about it on Twitter. We can email about it, whatever's easier. Uh, We're looking for an editor. We're looking for blurbers. This is sort of a rung or two down on the, the totem pole, but this is for people who can write but haven't really had experience writing for sports or fantasy and just want to learn the craft a little bit, that is a training position. Blurb shifts are four hours long. You'd come in, you'd work under an editor. We have a few right now. Mike Passador, Eric Ong. They'll teach you how to do this. 
It's all about learning how to read the wire, watch Twitter and all the news outlets to find out what's going on and translate that into fantasy-relevant content for people that are watching the Twitter feed or following the website. The Clarion Call is out. We are looking for podcasters. Do you want to cover a team? Do you want a podcast for fantasy? Hit me up. I know a lot of you people are like, talk about something important right now. This is big. Many of you, I think, that listen to this podcast are thinking, could I do this? Hit me up, man. I'll let you know right out of the shoot. Hey, is this something you can do? Yeah, maybe. Or no, or absolutely. So again, if you want to get involved over here at HoopBall, we got a lot of spots that we need to fill. Uh, some other spots we want to fill. Some spots we probably haven't even considered yet. Like uh, graphic design. We have we don't have anybody that does that right now. So hit me up, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Again, Dan Bespris on Twitter. Let's get this show on the road. Let's fill these spots. Let's turn you guys into fantasy analysts instead of podcast listeners, or both. You can still listen. All right, here's what's coming up on today's podcast. We're going to talk to Brandon Marcus. It's Wednesday. It's ailment day, so we got Brandon coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, Greg Ehrenberg, DFS and full season expert over at Basketball Monster, talking to him for the first time on the pod. We had a wonderful show. Uh, I think you guys are going to like that an awful lot. Um, in no particular order. <laughs> That's the funny part. I said it that way, but I actually think that Greg's going first. Um, we're going to tell you about my bookie. We're going to talk about the early B-150. Plenty of things coming up on today's podcast. We've also got some other thoughts on more additional, I should say, thoughts on guys in that 8 to 15 range. We had news on Paul George. We had news on Kawhi. We have news on Embiid that I talked about myself two days ago. So we got a lot of things on the docket. But again, topic number one here, topic du jour, recruitment. Hit me up. All right, the hell with it. Uh, let's talk to a guest we haven't talked to before. That's always fun. More pro weeks, more fun. It's good stuff. Uh, and the first time I'm able to get this guest on the show. So very exciting for all of us. Uh, Greg Ehrenberg. What's going on, Greg? Happy to have you. Uh, I like, I like how my intro made it seem like I was some big get and not somebody who you DM'd on, on Twitter and just, I responded immediately. <laughs> and like, yeah, I'll do it. Hey, listen. Almost all of my guests are people that I DM'd on Twitter and responded pretty quickly. So that you're, you're in good company here. Um, G. Ehrenberg DFS is the Twitter handle. It's G-E-H-R-E-N-B-E-R-G-D-F-S, which I guess when I say the letters like that, it sounds a little more uh, letter salady than I intended. But uh, again, at G. Ehrenberg DFS. He's the DFS analyst over at Basketball Monster. He writes for DraftKings. Um but I'm having you talk about season-long stuff, so I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm pulling you out of your comfort zone a little bit, but it seems like you do plenty of both. Yeah, and it's not really out of my comfort zone because I've, uh, I've been playing yearly fantasy leagues even, even before I did any sort of daily stuff. Well, I mean, when I started playing yearly leagues, there was no daily fantasy. I had started by like, cutting class in middle school and drafting <laughs> leagues with my friends in the bathroom. <laughs> That's that's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... but I mean, I mean, considering considering where like where I'm at now, what I'm doing, like, isn't that really the better education? Oh, absolutely. We don't. You don't need to be force fed something you're not going to use. You got to do something. No. This is the this is your career. You turn that into a uh, into into livelihood. That was clearly the better path. Hundred percent. Uh, although, I mean, I know you're you're a bit of a numbers guy too, though, right? So you probably paid attention in math and then skipped some different class. No, I think I'm just a nerd. Oh, that's perfect. Well, you're, you're, <laughs> I think that might mean uh, we're a pretty good match over here as I adjust my bifocals and talk about my um, 
my issues with uh, all frail parts of my body. Um, but let's talk about the 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 industry mock um, because you were right there in the middle with me. You were fortunate to get the five pick, so you had that one big leg up. I went right after you in this draft. Um, I figure we can just kind of start at the top and work our way through if that works for you. Yeah, and definitely, uh, I, I know that people can't really organize it this way, but if you had the choice to pick anywhere in your draft this year, five is really the nut spot. That's where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you the people in front of you have removed any fear of choice for you in that top five. It's just like, all right, well, whichever one of these guys is left is going to be my guy. And then you also have the best pick coming back in the second round. You're in a good spot to get someone in the third. You're not so close to an end where you have to worry about what guys are getting back to you. That's a really great spot to be. Uh, and you started with Steph Curry, who's quietly, maybe I shouldn't say it as loud as I'm about to. He might be my favorite of the five, which probably puts me in weird company. But he could go completely nuts this season if he stays healthy. Yeah, so the funny thing is, is I, and I wrote an article about this with the other guys at Basketball Monster, where we talked about who we would take with the number one pick this year, because to me it's as open-ended as it's been in any other season. And originally Curry was going to be the guy that I wanted to take at number one, because his numbers last year were so insane with Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson off the court. And it was just, there was so much usage, the the shots were ridiculous, and I'm just trying to bring up the off-court numbers right now. But then when they brought in D'Angelo Russell, I kind of backed off because I was like, oh, this is another high-usage guy, and I'm not exactly sure how they're going to mesh together. Like, I still think Curry's going to be great, and it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being the number one overall guy. But just that inclusion of D'Angelo Russell there is going to bring down what his usage was last year when he was in this situation with Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant off the floor. If you had your pick of the top five, is it, in, in a roto format, is it Anthony Davis? That's probably the direction I would end up going. But, I mean, I, I feel like this is... If you have a pick in the top five uh, and you're on this pod, I kind of just need to ask you about all five of them. because <laughs> Especially since everybody was gone and you were stuck. I say that loosely, of course, with Steph. Uh, who's your number one? For me, it's Anthony Davis and... Yeah, I, this you. is such a cop-out answer, but I've been saying you can't go wrong at number one. Well, unless you go like totally off the board, but any of the any of the Steph Curry, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Giannis, you can make a case for any of those guys at one. As long as you're taking one of those guys, then your team's kind of in a good spot to start. So it's more of a matter of preference. I like Anthony Davis particularly for Roto, just because of how well how well balanced his stat line is. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to help you across the board and. I, the injury thing's a little bit overblown to me. It's not to say that he isn't more injury-prone than other players. It's just he kind of gets this mantra and kind of this idea. A lot of it comes from DFS because the amount of times that he goes to the locker room during games, that he really plays more than what people think and how people let on. And weird things like shutdowns, trade demands, it's not going to be an issue this year. No, I, I always felt like the only year where the Pelicans were trying to win games was the only year he played 75 games. It seemed like that was kind of almost a one-to-one connection with him where I was like, look, if the team cares, he's going to be out there. But the other years of his career, nobody cared. So he was just like, all right, I'm not 100%. I'm just going to sit out this second half. I've also been peddling the absurd uh, theory that he has um, he has irritable bowel syndrome and just like needs to go to the locker room to go to the, to use the toilet. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not that far off. I had a thing that I, I wrote about uh, for DFS last year where I said like are we sure that he doesn't just drink a lot of water and have to piss a lot during games <laughs> because 
because <laughs> he really he really comes back more often than he doesn't. Yeah. And and it's and it's usually really close to halftime also. Like there'll be two minutes left in half. It's like, oh Anthony Davis goes to the locker room. And he came back like 90% of the time last year. So it's just stuff like that where I think people get anxiety about it in terms of DFS and even fans are like, oh my God, is this hurt? Is this is he hurt? Is he not hurt? And it's it's really less important than what it actually seems to be because he's one of the leading minutes players every year. So it, it, that kind of implies more durability than you would think. Absolutely, hundred percent with you on that one. I and I just I'm I'm also not particularly concerned about it. I uh, we he whatever. I, I think we've made our point on that one. Um, coming back in the second oh, round. Oh, 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 go ahead. One sec before we go on sure. because I, I teased this before and I brought it up while while we were talking. Steph Curry's numbers with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson off the floor last year: forty six point four percent usage rating Good per thirty six minutes, forty two point eight points, and eight point eight threes. It's a ridiculous number. <laughs> eight point eight three pointers. Which we kind of saw, remember the one playoff game where both of them were out. He scored like 50 points in that game and shot a million times. So obviously these numbers wouldn't be sustainable over a full season. But I think he would have been almost a lock to be the leading scorer if they didn't sign D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I still think he's got an outside shot at it. But we shall we yeah, shall see. We shall see. He's my he's my favorite bet to win MVP. Uh, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that, and, and I, we'll break the fourth wall here a little bit. Um, you and I are recording uh, late in the evening on the 23rd. Uh, I actually just spoke with Neil Rochlani, uh, one of our, our hoop ball guys, who's kind of my fellow gambling sort, and uh, Steph was the guy that I had picked to win MVP as well. Um, there's some really interesting MVP odds out there, but I think he was at 5-1. to one. That's That's a bet I'm willing to make. Um, your second round pick surprised me a little bit, actually, in a nine cap format, and that was Devin Booker, uh, who could go absolutely bonkers from the field. He, I mean, he could actually lead the league in scoring this year, but he hasn't shown uh, a ton of durability. Are you feeling the same way kind of about him as, as we just discussed with AD, where maybe if they actually have something to play for, he'll stay on the court? So there's a couple of things here, and uh, one thing we have to discuss is, I don't know if you saw us, but Yahoo just updated the pre-ranks, and they nerfed the ranking of Booker all the way down to 38 for some reason. 38? That to me, yeah, that, that to me was crazy. So th- that means that if you're playing in like a Yahoo Pro League, you're just playing with friends who generally tend to base off those, those O-ranks, you could probably get Booker in the third round now, and I think that he's super valuable at that point. So that probably ups the amount of exposure that I'm going to have to Booker this year. As for his missed games, it is a little bit of a concern. However, if you look at his first couple years in the league, 76 and 78 games played, then the last two years, 54 and 64 games played. Once you get to that point in the draft, though, there are so many guys with injury risk and risk to miss games. So I don't know how to really weigh it. Like, how do you weigh guys like uh, Devin Booker against Chris Paul? And then towards the end of the first round, guys like Drew Holiday, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, like all these guys are going to miss games. And then also resting is becoming more prominent than it's been in other seasons. So I don't think that it's something that I'm really going to get too concerned about this season because everybody's going to miss games. Yeah, it, I mean, that stretch between pick eight and what's a safe ending point for this discussion, like pick 20, almost all of those guys are at risk of load management or just injury concern with maybe the exception of like Andre Drummond and Kemba Walker. Are those the yeah, only and, guys and- in there? And the funny thing is, is people are like Bradley Beal, I think is a great pick anyway. I don't have issues with him this year. One of the reasons that people are saying like, oh, I really like Beal towards the end of the first round is because people are saying like, ah, he's so durable. There's there's no injury issues. 
two years ago, Beal was a guy who was getting knocked in every draft because he had the stress fracture in his yeah. leg in back-to-back seasons. Which is like so, the Drew Holiday story, but like two years after Drew. So There's so much recency bias in these injury issues where people are just like, oh, this guy didn't get hurt last year. He's not an injury issue. <laughs> this guy got hurt last year. He's Like Damian Lillard was a guy. He could never miss games. And then last year he missed games. So it's like, oh, I guess he can miss games. So it's it's just really hard for me to figure out exactly how many games people are going to play. And I, I'm not going to go crazy overthinking it just because so many guys, I think, are going to be at risk of missing games this season. Third round pick, Zion Williamson. I think he didn't. Did he just get adjusted down by Yahoo as well? Or am I misplaying that one? Uh, like a couple me, of slots? It, it might. It might have been like two slots. It wasn't anything so not significant much. like Booker. He, to me, and I think the world knows how much that I detest rookies, but Zion feels like about the safest rookie that's come into the league in terms of fantasy value since Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, probably. And w- what's great about Zion is, number one, he's an underrated passer, but two, the defensive stats are going to be insane. Like, you look at some of the blocks that he had in college where – they were almost like Mitchell Robinson-esque where he makes the rotation. He's able to block shots from a three-point shooter. He's so quick closing out. He's going to steal. He's going he's gonna to pick up steals. He's going to pick up blocks. He's going to have a well-rounded game. He's going to do everything except for probably shoot out of the gate. And for, for that reason, I think he sets up really well, particularly for Roto. You, uh, you were not shy about defensive stats in your third and fourth round picks. Draymond Green coming back in the fourth uh, those two guys might might carry you in the in defensive stats the rest of the way. Uh, I like Dre this year. He's going to be pissed off, and isn't that the best kind of Dre? Uh, well, more importantly, he's Draymond Green without Clay Thompson, without Kevin Durant there. So he's going to play a bigger role on the offense. He's going to be more of a, more of a facilitator. He's going to have some increased rebounding opportunities. The defensive stats are going to be there. So I, I think it's a better it's a better situation for him. Uh, he's been working on his three-pointer, of course, which is huge. Of course, you see somebody knocking down threes in an open gym in offseason. Ah, career year incoming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, you know, we we can we we all know what to do with the offseason stuff, but it's still he feels like he feels like a pretty safe play there. I mean, this was a guy in Draymond that was going in the second round a couple years ago. I, I mean, that's still in him, right? He's not like an old man yet. No, and he's in a better situation than he was in previous seasons. Like, that's a huge deal, not having Klay Thompson and not having Kevin Durant there. There's just, there's a role to fill there, and I think we're going to see increased counting stats for from him for that reason. I love your fifth-round pick, Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, I have a little bit of a man crush on his, his evolving fantasy game. Uh, there are some pretty good centers in these middle rounds, and, and like, they're... There almost isn't anybody else on Memphis that can rebound at all anyway. Uh, what's to stop him from just having an awesome year? Uh, I mean, if there's any indication of what his numbers looked like towards the end of the season after he was the full-time starter in Memphis, there's not really anything that I think stops him from being a top 40 or so player because he was awesome in that role. Like, we saw him, as long as he, even when he was with Toronto, when he wasn't getting the minutes, he was a great per-minute producer. And I always said, and I said this every season going into drafts, is, hey, if Valanciunas could get 30 minutes per game, he could be a second, third round value. And now he's finally in that spot. And I think people are so tired of overdrafting him in previous years (laughs) that they're like, okay, well, we don't want to draft him again. When this is finally the time to go after him, he was he was so good last season. And even then, there was more there was there's a chance for more minutes for him because Joachim Noah was there. And he was playing a bunch of minutes at center, and that's not going to be the case anymore. 
Do you think he can keep up the one and a half blocks per game in Memphis? He was always a guy where it was kind of like, man, it seems like there should be more, but maybe it was the, the sagging minutes in Toronto. I mean, he's just big enough where being on the floor for 25 minutes or more, you should see a decent number in that category, right? Yeah, I mean, last year, 1.1 blocks in 22 minutes. The year before, 0.9 blocks in 22 minutes per game. So assuming that he gets to that, you know, 28 to 32-minute range, I, I think 1.4 to 1.6 blocks per game is a pretty a pretty solid projection for him. And the other thing, too, is to how he fits into this particular team that I drafted. When I have guys like Steph Curry and Draymond Green on the team, I need a little bit of bump to my field goal percentage, and Valanciunas does that pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Gallinari was your sixth round pick. So you had plenty of defensive stats at this point. This is a guy that's going to float points, uh, threes, and then obviously is a, a massive boost to free throw percent. Uh, is this a guy you took with your eye on the next pick or was this a spot where, uh, maybe I should leave the question a little more open-ended, um, thought process behind Gallo, because we know the things that he's good at, he is outstanding at, um, and it looked almost like at this point you were building a team that should win free throw percent. Yeah, so the reason I took him was just because I thought he was a good value at this spot. If you look at the Thunder roster, there is so much usage to fill now that Russell Westbrook and Paul George are gone. They've been replaced with Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari. Like Gallinari is a guy who on this team could average 25-plus points per game because there's just nobody else to shoot the ball. And this Thunder team also, I think, is a little bit underrated. Like Everybody just assumes, oh, Paul George and Russell Westbrook are gone. They're going to stink. The win total is set at 34 and a half games. I don't think that's the case. As long as Chris Paul and Gallinari are healthy, it's a pretty big if. I think it's a playoff competing team because those are two really good players that are generally underrated by the public. Yeah, I love the over on that one. It sounds like you agree. Yeah, and I also have them at, uh, what was the number, like 10 to 1 to make the playoffs or something, which I, I think I just think that's a good like Hail Mary play. Over 34 and a half, I like. It's just a good team, and people hate Chris Paul. Like he's one of he's one of the, if not the most disliked player on NBA Twitter. But he's a really <laughs> good point guard, and he's still really solid. So he's somebody else who we've talked about this on Twitter. I love Chris Paul this year. Yeah, that that was one of uh, that was a few weeks ago, I think, when I was getting stir crazy and um, just started <laughs> talking just started talking about the guys that were polarizing. And you and I were definitely hard in the pro Chris Paul camp. Now, his, he was one of the guys, and this one I know I got right because I saw somebody talking about it on Twitter. It might have been you, uh, that he got adjusted up quite a bit in this second Yahoo rankings. I know he's like up into the 20s now. Uh, let's see. Which is a massive Where disappointment to me because him in the 30s and 40s was a lot of fun. Chris Paul is currently at 25. Yeah, isn't that a pisser? Yahoo rank. Massive yeah, it's bummer. a little bit annoying, but I still think that people dislike him so much. There's just going to be bias for people like, Chris Paul's going to get hurt. I don't want him on my team. I'm going to take... And people are just going to take somebody who's with an equal injury risk at the same point anyway because they don't like Chris Paul when Chris Paul's probably going to churn out first game, uh, first round per game value this season. If you look at his numbers without Harden last year, when Harden was off the court per 36 minutes, Chris Paul 22.6 points, 12.5 assists per game, 5.5 rebounds, over two steals. Like, if he stays healthy, and I, I, like I said with Gallinari, it's a pretty big if, he's a fantasy monster this year because there's nobody else to handle the ball in that OKC offense. There's nobody else to make plays. And Chris Paul has been a top-five fantasy player very recently. He's been somebody who's been top 20 basically every year of his career. And before he came to Houston, when he was kind of 
the primary creator and didn't have another high usage guy playing alongside him, he was somebody who you considered with the top overall pick in leagues. So I love Chris Paul this year, and I think he's being undervalued just because of his public perception. Yep, I'm with you on that one. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, this is a scary one for me. Um, that free throw number last year, I had him in a lot of places last season thinking that he had, I don't want to say figured it out at the line, but he was fairly reliably in this sort of 63 to 70 range for a couple of years there. And then 45%, that was a brutal punch to the gut. Uh, do we think a move to a new city maybe helps fix some of that stuff? Um, or is this just a, hey, you know what? I have Gallo, I have Booker, I have Steph. I have another big man in Valanchunas who shoots the free throw pretty darn well. My team can handle one bad free throw shooter. Yeah, so a couple of things. Number one, my team was able to handle the free throw hit at this point in the draft. The second thing, my team needed blocks at this point. And Whiteside's somebody who has the potential to be, you know, second, third in the league in blocks per game. Now, I'll also say this about Whiteside. There was huge issues with him in terms of the locker room and chemistry when he was in Miami. He didn't seem to get along with Pat Riley. He didn't seem to get along with the rest of the team. If there's any time you want to own Hassan Whiteside, it's probably in a contract year. Like, I don't, I don't really <laughs> consider contract years all that much for fantasy. Like, point. I just don't think it matters. These guys are professional athletes. They're going to try to play hard most of the time. Not necessarily true with Hassan Whiteside. You get Hassan Whiteside in a contract year, this is the type of guy who I think could put in a little extra effort, try to be in better shape, show up, and just really be a team player. And in a new spot where he's kind of getting a fresh start, no longer those bad feelings from the other place. Hassan Whiteside, where he's being drafted, like kind of the mid-80 type spot, there's a lot of upside there. And the downside is it's okay at that, at that point in the draft. Yeah, point Greg Ehrenberg there on uh, Hassan Whiteside in a contract year. Uh, Demonis Sabonis, you sort of followed up Hassan, which was the the big swing at center with a uh, very reliable kind of counting statsy big man. Demonis will score, he'll rebound, he can pass well as a big man. You know, he's not going to blow the roof off the building, but he maybe sees a couple extra minutes this season. This is this is a pretty safe play here. Yeah, and there is some extra upside if he ends up being able to mesh with Miles Turner. One thing that's a little concerning about the chemistry between Turner and Sabonis is the last couple of seasons, the Pacers have tried this combo, and it's never really worked out all that well. Like, they've always been better with these two guys separated than playing together. Their net rating goes down quite a bit when these two guys are paired. So there's upside if it works out. If it doesn't, we still saw Sabonis as a pretty solid fantasy contributor last season. He was a top 100 guy in only 24 minutes per game off the bench. And I think there is upside for him to play 30-plus minutes this season if everything goes well. If not, then I think I probably just got fair value on him at this spot. Yeah, and that's the it's a nice thing to grab, a guy who has a, a pretty high floor, and then there's a little bit of wiggle room above his name as well. Uh, your next pick is, oddly enough, a player that, and man, a, a, you know, a knock on me, I don't think I've mentioned this man's name almost the entire offseason, and that's Freddie Van Fleet. But, I mean, listen, this Toronto team uh, no longer has Kawhi Leonard, and it's not like someone really showed up in his place. Kyle Lowry's not going to take all of those shots, and neither is Pascal Siakam. And, you know, I'm not a, not a huge fan of OG Ananobi's offensive game yet. I mean, maybe he takes a big step forward. But um, Freddie seems like he should have a decent role on the team this year. I, I, I don't know why I haven't covered him that much. But, Greg, what were you thinking on uh, Freddie Van Vliet, round nine? Yeah, Papa Van Vliet. I hope he has, like, two more kids this season because <laughs> that, that totally he, that, that totally changed his, changed his game. Once he had a kid, he was on fire in the postseason. But he's going to be a starter this year. 
he's going to move into the role that Kawhi Leonard played just in terms of starting line. I'm not obviously exactly replacing Kawhi Leonard's production and everything, but look at Van Fleet's numbers as a starter last year, 14 points, six assists, a steal, three rebounds, over two threes per game. He's a solid player. I think that there's a good amount of upside in him where he's being drafted. He's not going to be like a top 50 guy or anything, but I feel pretty good that he could be somebody like top 75 or so. And where he's getting picked in drafts, this is another guy where I feel there isn't really too much downside for where he's getting picked in the draft. There's just a minimal amount of upside. He's a safe pick. He's probably going to return value and a little bit better. Your next one in pick in round 10 is a really kind of fun guy to discuss because when he... His initial ranking on a lot, well, in Yahoo in particular, I think was like something obscene, like 55 or 60. And he's just been falling like a boulder. And everybody that drafted him in that range was getting laughed at. But now all of a sudden, he's going in the 10th, 11th rounds of drafts. And a guy that had decent value with Boston last year opted to go to New York over San Antonio. And that's Marcus Morris he actually sort of grew into kind of a good percentages guy, which does fit a roto build. And I guess the question sort of has to be, like, what if New York says, go get a bunch of buckets? Because it's not like they have a boatload of offense on that Knicks team. Yeah, In hindsight, I don't really like this pick for my team because what he would, what he would bring to my team in an optimal situation is what you just said. It's going to be buckets and kind of lowish percentages. And I already have a lot of that on my team. It was just kind of a guy where maybe this is a little bit of New York's New York bias for me. Although typically my <laughs> bias is negative. Like I think most, most like I think I think most people they go into fantasy and they're like, oh, I want to get the guys for my team. And me, I'm like, I'm a Knicks fan. I don't want anybody on the Knicks. Yeah, you know stink. better. You know better. Yeah. That's what I mean. As a Laker fan, that's how I treated that team for the last six years too. And with Morris, I think there is upside if he plays minutes, just because. The team is is such just a, a cluster on the Knicks. Like I don't know what it is. It's just a ton of random pieces fit together. But there's a chance that he's the second leading scorer on the team. That he gets a decent amount of usage. So I, I think he's worth a flyer. Uh, I don't think he fits great into my particular team. But I'm fine with him as an upside pick later in drafts. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that actually makes sense more on the teams I usually draft, which are low-scoring, uh, decent percentages, lots of defense kind of teams where it's like, oh. Um, my club is averaging 14 points a game, and I'm in the 10th round now. What the hell am I going to do? All right, Marcus Morris, you can you can join the club. Uh, your 11th round pick might be my favorite fantasy player um, in the <laughs> league. Old old man Pat Beverly, who I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'll admit I'm a little bit afraid of, of the situation in L.A. with all the, the new pieces, but a lot of what he brings to the table is the out-of-position stats, which is rebounding from a point guard, He'll get his assists just from being on the floor with guys that want to shoot more than he does. He'll take his three-pointers. He'll get his steals and some blocks. Uh, and he's not going to turn the ball over because he doesn't have to do anything with it. Um, I- I'm actually targeting him at the end of drafts just in case. Because last year when he finally started playing starters minutes and looking healthy, he was a top 50 guy. Um, I don't know that that's coming up this year, but I mean, hell, you got him at what? Like pick 120? That's That's a pretty safe play to take a shot on Pat. And I love him. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen him on pretty good teams in the past, like those uh, he was on the, the he was on the Clippers and on competitive Rockets teams. And he turned out top hundred value. He was as high as like sixty five or something like that. He just has a well rounded game. He's another guy who I think is 
better for roto leagues than he is for head-to-head leagues oh yeah just because he, he he provides those defensive stats he's pretty solid across the board the percentages aren't great except he's not going to shoot all this all that much this year so i don't really care uh, and your last pick was one that I had you make after the draft room um, completely, <laughs> com- completely freaked out. Uh, and you were just like, I don't know who's left, Goran Dragic, which actually isn't a bad last pick to make. I mean, he could score a bunch. Miami uh, has Jimmy Butler and question mark beyond him. I-, I don't know. I mean, it's been a while since Goran was like a really good fantasy player, but I guess you never know. And in your last pick, it's kind of... That's the whole point. You take a you-never-know guy and hope that everything fits together. Well, we also skipped one of my picks, except for, uh, for, for Drogic. That's the type of guy I like to take at the end of draft, somebody who it's like, oh, I'm probably going to cut this guy a month or so into the season. However, we've seen him be a decent fantasy guy not too long ago, and so there's upside there. He has potential to provide assists which is a very difficult stat to find this year, particularly towards the end of drafts. So Drogic, I think, is a guy worth taking a flyer at the end of the drafts with the understanding that, hey, I'm probably going to cut this guy shortly into the season. Oh, interesting. Your, your other pick actually doesn't show up in the draft results window. You have to go to your team to find it. This is a byproduct, I guess, of the room going nuts. But you had Dennis Schroeder in there, and I don't know where it happened. No, no, but... no it was a, a Batum. Oh, it was Batum. Yeah, so everything went totally nuts. Uh, I don't know how I got. I don't. I don't. I don't remember picking Schroeder. I don't know if that was an auto pick, but somehow, Schro- somehow Schroeder's on the team. Like when we were right before I went to to record with you, and I I went to Fantrax to open up my team. I was like, how did I get Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, like, I don't I, know. I had no recollection of that. I don't even see him anywhere being drafted, but he's somehow on your team. And then also, I don't see Batum on your team here. And this was again, the room went nuts. This was, I think because I had pulled Boogie off of my team, and then I pulled him off your team, and basically any time an auto-draft happened, it was Boogie. And then the system freaked out. People started getting auto-drafted guys when it wasn't their turn. Uh, Ultimately, I ended up just putting Boogie on all 12 teams just to have a little fun. Uh, But again, I don't know where Batum was supposed to be, but uh, tell me about Nicholas Batum. Yeah, so Batum is actually somebody who I'm targeting a lot this year. Now, my gut feeling is that Batum is washed up. Like, I think he's probably no good anymore. I don't think he's going to be relevant. That's not exactly a glowing endorsement. <laughs> However, there's such a big gap of usage and playmaking to fill on that Hornets roster because that team stinks. Like, that team is awful. Horrible. And Batum, Batum had a very fantasy-friendly game as recently as two years ago, and then he just fell off a cliff last year. I don't know exactly what it was that happened. Maybe he was hurt uh, my like I said, my suspicion is just that he's old and not very good anymore. However, let's say that he was hurt last year and he has a bounce back season and he's decent. He could put up ridiculous fantasy numbers because somebody has to do something on that team. It's not like baseball where a team could score zero points every night. They're gonna the Hornets are gonna score eighty five to ninety points every night and <laughs> and Batum figures to be involved. He he could he he's a good passer, he rebounds. So his best seasons were top thirty or so. And I don't think it's totally out of the question that he ends up being a top 50 guy if everything breaks right for him this season. Last season was really weird for him. I, I, you know, Charlotte shows up on the League Pass HD channel quite often because they are often, unfortunately, the first game to start. Uh, and, so I, and because everybody wants to watch them play. Oh, right. Also that, because you need to hear Eric Collins going completely nuts when they get their <laughs> third bucket of the ball game and trail by 14. Um, for, for a Cody Zeller tip-in. Yeah, the, <laughs> That's right, for Cody Zeller running awkward dip in. Uh, Nick Batum played 
30 minutes a game last year, 31 actually, and only took seven and a half shots a night. What I like, I can't figure out why he was so disengaged. Do you think he could potentially be more interested in kind of helping the young guys as opposed to the treadmill they were running on? Because I'm with you. It really wasn't that long ago that he looked pretty good and he just was totally out to lunch. He did nothing in his time on the floor. Yeah, I, I don't know, but he's getting picked so late in drafts. Like, you're getting this guy, like, pick 140 or whatever, and it's just kind of the same way I view Drogic, where it's like, this is somebody who's been fantasy relevant not too long ago. I'm probably going to cut him a month or so into the season, probably sooner. But if everything breaks right, there might be a time where, like, two weeks into the season, uh, Batum puts up a triple-double, and it's like, oh, my God, Nick Batum is good again. And it's like, yeah, that's not that ridiculous. No, not insane at all. It's it's why you almost should never take a safe pick in the 130s or 140s. You don't want a guy that's just going to plod along at a top 115 clip at this point. Take a shot because I legitimately cannot remember the last time uh, that my last pick was on my team at the end of the year. I, it's, it's like 99 out of 100 times I end up dropping that guy. So you might as well just take a shot. Um, I still have no idea where you picked Nick Batum, but I, but I believe you, and I have no problem with talking about the guy. Uh, yeah, the drafting went crazy. Um, as you look back at this draft, just to sort of put a bow on everything, where do you feel like things went, went well for you? Were there any spots where you kind of looked back and went, ah, I kind of wish I would have turned a different way? Uh, and does this feel like the kind of build that you'd, that you'd end up making in a roto format when the day really comes to do this thing for real? All right, so two things. Things definitely went well when we logged into the draft room and I saw I had the fifth pick because then I was like, oh, that's, that's the nuts. Um, beyond that, I was pretty happy with most of my picks. I probably wouldn't have gone with Marcus Morris. I probably would have gone with more of a boom, bust, big man type guy because I think that fits this particular team better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, I can't comment on because I have no idea how the hell he ended up on my team, but he's, nope. he's there. I don't like him. Um, <laughs> has, his 9 cat game is not great. Yeah. No, his his any cat game isn't great. He, he's only good for like a punt punt wins format. If you're punting the league, there's that's where you want Dennis Schroeder or exciting um, hair format. Yeah, that's true. If if you're in a if you're in a league that counts uh, dyed hair, yeah. dyed blonde hair, frosted tips is is an yeah. extra fantasy point. I don't know where he ended up actually, because again, I'm looking at the draft room, and I'm concerned that if I search for the word Schroeder, it's going to play a big ding as I'm trying to talk to you on the <laughs> podcast. So I'm not going to do it. I don't think. I don't think he was drafted anywhere, and somehow he's just on your team. So congratulations, you just got a bonus Dennis. Nice. Yeah, great. Um, the, the only other thing I'd say is generally I've been making a point to take Chris Paul in almost every single industry draft this year just so I could afterwards, when people ask me why I took Chris Paul, I could talk about how much I like Chris Paul. But he just didn't really fit this team, so I didn't do it. All right, writing a note to self, don't play <laughs> leagues with Greg because he's going to take your... Chris Paul away. Um, thanks, man. I, I I guess that that takes us to the end of this one. Um, can I? This this is my my uh, my mo here. Did I did I ruin the experience, or can I steal you back onto the show in a month or two? Oh, you could. You it, it wouldn't really be stealing me. All you have to do is DM me on Twitter, and <laughs> and chances chances are there's going to be an opening somewhere in my schedule. You heard it. I'm sliding into Greg's DMs. Did I use that meme right? Did I do that right? I'm an old man. I may have screwed up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm no hipper than you are, but it's, that's, that's incorrect. <laughs> yeah, that, people want to people want to find out what's hip. You can come to Greg and Dan. We've got this thing unlocked. Uh, at G Ehrenberg DFS again. Ehrenberg is E H R E N B E R G. Follow him on Twitter. 
He's a DFS analyst over at Basketball Monster, and as we already know, uh, outstanding at the full season mode as well. Greg, thanks a bunch, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dan. That was Greg Ehrenberg. That was fun, wasn't it? God, I loved getting new guests on the pod. We'll have him back, provided, <laughs> provided it wasn't too horrible for him. We'll have him back. I uh, want to also throw in, as we do uh, with all of our guests during Pro Weeks, a coupon code. That's right. Sometimes I forget and I do it at the very end of the show, but we do still have some more stuff coming up after this one. Coupon code today. It is, as all the other ones have been, associated with today's guest. And today's coupon code is just the word Greg. <laughs> it's easy, right? G-R-E-G. Greg. It's $3 off any product over at HoopBall. That includes the draft guide, the early B-150, which is out right now. You have early access to the Brewski 150. If you get the draft guide, you get it on the 7th of this month. So you'd only have to wait five days. That gets put into the draft guide on October the 7th. Uh, get $3 off with coupon code GREG. You can also get the Pro Package, the Champions Package, where we put different things together at a pre-existing bundle discount. You can take $3 off of that. Coupon code, once again, G-R-E-G. Use it now. It's good for uh, about one month. The end of this month, which is a month away. All right, let's figure out what's going on here in this late first, early second, because there's been news on some of these guys, and I want to talk to Brandon about it. I wanted to talk to Brandon, so now I'm going to talk to Brandon. Happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day. It's a good, uh, is it a good Brandon Day or is it a bad Brandon Day for you? How you feeling? It's a good Brandon Day. No real ailment. I mean, still got the swollen eyelid. Don't think that's going away anytime soon. Uh, but apart from that, we're, uh, we're feeling good. We're kicking it. You're kicking it. You're kicking it. I like that. That's, uh, yeah, I don't have, I'm just baseline sleepy. That's not, that doesn't qualify as an ailment. How are your mosquito bites? That was a good one. I enjoyed that one. They're good. They're good. Thank God. <laughs> a rough couple of nights. Yeah, you just, you can't sleep with that. And then you just start to, like, there's a mania that comes afterwards when you're not sleeping and people are like, what's wrong? And you're like, a mosquito got me. It, um, it doesn't elicit the pity that I think we wanted it to. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. We've had news actually about two Clippers. So I think your timing here, or it's timing, or maybe you guys coordinated this, you and, uh, and Doc Rivers. Yes. Uh, yeah, you, you did? Okay, I thought that might have been the case. Yeah. We, we got news on Kawhi. We got news on Paul George. And it could dramatically, perhaps, adjust where they're going in fantasy drafts. Uh, Kawhi, we're hearing they're going to try to dial down the load management, which I still think that's the worst terminology ever. And then Paul George, this is what I was terribly afraid of, and I've been I've been harping on it for weeks. I'm not drafting someone who won't start the season healthy. We're getting confirmation that he's going to miss at least the first six games, and then who knows beyond that. So what's your read on this situation, and how is it changing? I mean, you're covering the Clippers here, but... From a fantasy perspective as well, this, this feels like a couple of relatively big deals. Let's start with Paul George. Um, he was doing five-on-zero work during practice yesterday in Hawaii. Um, so clearly, he's good enough to practice, which is a good sign. It's not like he's staying off the court, because how many times do we see a player where we're just waiting for them to actually practice um, and actually be at shoot-around and all that kind of stuff? And it seems like Paul George is doing most of the stuff. He is in a non-contact jersey, I believe. But 
Um, I don't know what anybody was expecting. I mean, the six games seems pretty normal to me that he's going to miss just the first couple. I mean, six isn't that many if you think about it. Um, and I don't think he's going to be somebody that's going to be rested as much as maybe a guy like Kawhi was last year um, to keep fresh. So I think once he's back, he's back for the most part. So it does worry me a little bit, obviously. You and I have talked about it, that drafting a guy that's hurt to start the season really is not a great idea because you're immediately stuck with one player on your roster. You have no idea when they're coming back. Um, I would assume that Paul George would come back within a couple of weeks. He says 85 to 90% when he was at media day. So that's a good sign as well. Um, but they're obviously not going to bring him back till he's a hundred percent. So that's one reason why maybe you don't draft him, but I'm not as low as many other people are on him. Um, if you can get him for maybe a couple bucks cheaper in auction, hmm. Or maybe it falls a little bit in a head-to-head. I'm okay with that. Okay, so uh, before we even get to the Kawhi stuff, I think there's two angles we need to pursue, and you and you touched on them there at the end. Uh, one is, does he become a distressed asset that now suddenly is a tiny value, or is he well, like which side of the? It sounds to me like the needle is actually moving towards slight value on your side, whereas for me, I'm actually a little bit worried that the six is going to become 10 and the 10 is going to become 14. And suddenly, you know, we're not seeing him until like December 1st. And then we have to make a decision on where he would go either in auction or in a snake draft. So uh, am, am I reading that properly? Are you feeling like maybe he's becoming a tiny bit of a value for you? It kind of depends where he goes. I mean, if you draft a guy, let's say like Damian Lillard in the first round, um, and you're confident that he's obviously going to be on the court, Portland, One's talked about playing a faster tempo and maybe you want to get Paul George on the turn. If you're confident enough in the way you draft, a guy like Paul George could be a monster asset to come and join your team after, let's say, three or four weeks. I mean, that really could be helpful. I don't think he's going to be out as long as you might say. I really do think he'll be back in November at some point. Um, And that's really not that much time if you're able to draft a team apart from Paul George that's healthy to start the season. And most of the people that are listening to this podcast are pretty damn good at fantasy basketball because they're listening to everybody's advice that is on the hoop ball staff. So if you are able to have a good draft, drafting a guy like Paul, Paul George will help. Okay, so then the follow-up becomes, at what point are you willing to take the plunge on Paul George? Because he's going... I feel like he's going generally in that 16 to 20 range right now. Is that is that what you're seeing also? I, I haven't seen him very too far outside of that window. Yeah, I think that's about right. And, and I'm fine taking him towards, I mean, I said Lillard. I mean, that Lillard will be probably going towards 8, 9, 10. So that's more of 11, 12, 13. So it's possible that you're talking more like a guy like Giannis that you're taking with the third or fourth pick or first, second pick. It really depends on your draft. And you're, if you're going to get a guy, let's say, like Harden or Giannis um, or Anthony Davis and then put him with a guy like Paul George, let's not forget Paul George was a top three player in the NBA last year. And now you're going to be able to add him in this late second round. It could end up being some value. What about if he's ending up in the mid-second round? So I, th- there's a lot of what-ifs, I guess, at this point. So we're, we're doing a little bit of a guessing game. Uh, yeah. But... Let's let's say this news right now. I think he's going mid second round ish. Let's just call it like sixteen to eighteen. Um, if this news bumps him back to the end of the second round, it sounds like you're all about that because you have that first round guy that can float your team. But what if he doesn't drop back, which feels 
It feels like he will. I mean, he's got an injured tag on him on Yahoo now. There aren't that many guys that have an injured tag next to their name at the yeah. beginning of October. That's a, that is going to have some kind of negative impact. But let's say it doesn't for hypothetical purposes. Let's say he stays in that 15, 16, 17, 18 range. Would you take the plunge on him there knowing that you're suddenly pairing him with one of those terrifying 8 to 12 range guys in the first round because suddenly now you don't really have the dude that floats your team. Yeah, probably not. It, it really depends who's there and what you're trying to target. Um, but, I mean, you and I have talked about it. I, I don't like drafting injured players. No. I, I just think that the hype over Paul George is maybe a little bit too high right now. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. I, I actually think we see completely eye to eye. If you have the ninth pick in your league and you're – you know, you're hemming and hawing over, do I go Bradley Beal? Do I go Kyrie Irving? Do I go Jimmy Butler? Do I take a flyer on Joel Embiid? Something like that. And then Paul George is staring you in the face in the second round. You're just like, well, I just, I can't do that to my team. What if my first rounder isn't playing to start the year? I can't, if I don't have my first or second round picks playing at the beginning of the season, I'm screwed. I mean, you just. Yeah. I'd rather have all the guys you mentioned before drafting Paul George. Yeah. Uh, but if he's down in that 19 to 24 range which would be, you know, uh, I guess it'd be 20 to 24. Th that pairs him up with one of those top five guys. And the 19 would be likely paired with Nikola Jokic. Is that enough? Is Jokic enough for you to say, I'll take a flyer on Paul George? Possibly. And if you're in a 10-team league, it's possible he lasts all the way to the beginning of round three. Yeah, true. Uh, so if that happens, I mean, let's say you're at the turn and you're at the second pick in the draft. You may want to take him in the second round and just grab somebody back on the third, knowing that the guy who has that pick at number one could end up stashing Paul George in the third round. Wow. Paul in the third round. Oh, that's a that is a massive advantage. Holy smokes. If you're like yeah. that's a team that could have Cat, Kemba Walker, and Paul George as its top three picks. That's crazy. Um, okay, so now shuttling over to the Kawhi side, and mm -hmm. I'm actually gonna lump this together with Joel Embiid, because we got that news on Monday. Both of these guys, Media Day, they're downplaying load management. Do you believe it? Because I'm a little skeptical. Uh, this is an opportunity for a team to put out a big-time message to its fans. Hey, our superstar is going to be playing more than you think. I'm, I don't know. You know me and my tinfoil hat. Do you really think that these guys are going to dial down load management? Because both of those teams have championship aspirations. So who cares if Kawhi or Joel plays, you know, December 28th or something like that. Yeah, well, it does seem that Kawhi is actually feeling healthier than he did last year. He, he said, I'm feeling way better than I did last year, which is obviously a good sign considering how damn good he was last year. Um, especially I mean, even the beginning of the season when he would obviously miss a bunch of games. But when he was on the floor, he was tremendous. He was. Uh, it, it, go ahead. No, he was. I was agreeing with you. He was incredible last year. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a, he's a mid-first round per game guy. Exactly. So with him, if you can trust that he will play, I don't know, 65, 65, 68 games, I mean, that's pretty good. The, the one issue, obviously, is – and one thing about the Clippers that's funny is that everybody keeps saying, well, this is a 48-win team that just added Kawhi and Paul George. Well, yes and no. Yeah. They also lost Gallinari and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So they lost guys that contributed big time to that team. So it's not like they can go and roll out Beverly, Shamit, Harkless, Zubak, and Magruder 
and, and all of a sudden win 48 games. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Like they, they need George and Kawhi. I mean, they really do need at least one of those guys. And to start the season, it's going to be just Kawhi. So if you are worried about Paul George, then guess what? They're not sitting Kawhi very much to start the season. It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to do that and get off to a really bad start when you don't have Paul George. And if you don't have Kawhi, then like I said, you really don't have a ton of offense outside of Lou and Trez. I mean, if you think about it, those two guys off the bench and then the guys that are going to be starting, there isn't a ton of punch no. apart from the guys that come off the bench. So maybe if you're worried about George, you maybe increase Kawhi. And then also you may increase Lou Williams a little bit towards the end of your draft because he's a guy that's going to be needed to score the basketball. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, and you can't, you just can't get off to that bad of a start in the Western Conference because it's not like you're going to have a run of easy games in a row at any point. Exactly. At some exactly. point, you're going to be playing a really good team because there's like 12 of them in the Western Conference. It's, um, I think all of these teams, I, I'm, the Lakers, uh, the Clippers, I'm trying to think of who else had some, uh, the, the Rockets, I'll put in that boat, teams that had the Warriors large scale offseason changes that have championship aspirations, I think they all come into the season thinking, we got to go 5-5 five and five at the very worst in our first 10 games when we're all getting settled. And for the Clippers, it's injury stuff and chemistry stuff. And the Lakers, it's chemistry. And the Rockets, it's chemistry. And the Warriors, it's trying to figure out how to uh, deal with not having KD and Clay. They all have their own storylines, but they all want to make sure they're 500 after three to four weeks of the season. Because you can climb out of a non-hole... It's yeah. hard to do what Houston did last year to get off to a really bad start and then just rip off, you know, with Harden and his like 70 points a game <laughs> stuff that was going on. That's not easy yeah. to do. Um, but from the fantasy perspective now, where I sort of we, we take our attention from uh, really relevant points on who should or will play at the beginning of the year because of the, this desire to not get off to a bad start. Does that mean could those games now come away from Kawhi once Paul George is back? Like, do you think they're going to say, listen, we, like, we, we survived this beginning. We got to make sure Kawhi is healthy. There could be a weird stretch in the middle of the year where he rests more often, couldn't there not? Yeah, that's possible. Um, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. So they play, if you look at the regular season, they go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. Then finally they have a back-to-back against San Antonio on that Thursday. I think it's very possible that Kawhi plays in both those games with a back-to-back. Mm. Um, the only, it might be possible that he sits in the game at Utah um, and then plays at home to San Antonio. But apart from that, they, I mean, they have another back-to-back the sixth and seventh. They don't, they don't really have a ton. They have a 13th, 14th. I just don't see him sitting that often. But if you think about it, the 13th and 14th, uh, Paul George should be back by then. I don't think that's an issue. Mm. Uh, so more likely than not, in the first, let's say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight games, he'll be sitting one, is my guess. Interesting. Okay, well, that's a strong, that's a positive beginning. You you could trade him away after eight games if you wanted, if people started exactly. to buy into that. Um, what about Embiid? And then I'm going to talk about the, the fantasy landscape. Do you believe he's... Nope. No. Okay. You don't. You're not buying nope. that one. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I. I don't believe it either. I mean, they brought in Al Horford. 
it's not even that, Dan. It's not even the injury and that whether he says that he's not going to sit. The guy just gets hurt. Yeah, like, that's a good it, point. <laughs> it's not the fact that he thinks he's going to play play more than seventy games because he doesn't want to be load managed. I mean, he's going to be low managed because he's going to be hurt. He's going to be on the sidelines. The guy gets hurt every season. But 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 but. 25 pounds or whatever the muscle watch to 2019. Don't you love all those stories? Everybody's either gained or lost 25 pounds in an offseason. It's kind of remarkable. I think I've my weight has never changed by more than about 2.5 pounds in an entire offseason. <laughs> I don't oh, God. I just I don't yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I'm more skeptical on both guys, uh, but it's nice to hear that you're skeptical on that one as well. So what about draft position uh for Kawhi and for Embiid? The the news that Joel's going to try to play a little bit more, you probably like that then because that's going to push him up the draft charts and you weren't taking him anyway. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't touch Embiid. So if anybody that's going to go up further than they should, um, Embiid included, I will gladly accept. Yahoo's ADPs have been shifting and suddenly LeBron James is actually the eighth ranked guy on ADPs. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with eight cat and points leagues and stuff like that. But Embiid is actually right behind him going ninth, and Kawhi is right behind Joel going 10th, uh, ahead of Bradley Beal, ahead of Jimmy Butler, ahead of Kyrie Irving, ahead of Paul George, uh, well ahead of Drew Holiday, who's been going earlier in a lot of drafts. This this surprises me, because there's, there's so much risk involved in that. At what point would you be willing to take a chance on Joel Embiid or Kawhi Leonard? For me... Uh, you know, I've said before that Kawhi's a guy I'm looking to try to get more towards that 15 range, but I don't think that's happening anymore with the Clippers downplaying load management and Joel Embiid towards the turn. I don't think he's getting that far with the downplaying of load management. I feel like that these storylines are killing my opportunity to get either one of those guys. It's funny because I'm looking at Yahoo right now, um, and if you look at the remaining games projection, you have Kawhi at number nine, right? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the ADPs right now. So he's, yes, he's being drafted ninth. His ADP is actually 10.6, but he's the ninth guy on the list. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so if you look at who comes afterwards. Or 10th, rather, eight, excuse me. Yeah, right now, according to where I'm looking, it's Aiton, then Kyrie, then George, then Drummond, then Robinson, which is crazy, um, and then Kemba, then Embiid, and then Butler. Is there anybody really that you want that I just named over Kawhi? No, um, but it's also why I don't fully trust yahoo's projections <laughs> yeah that's true that's true um but i mean i would take Kawhi in that spot i think anybody that wants to take him at nine or greater um i'm very happy with that because i would take beal lillard Jokic, Giannis, steph harden towns and davis over Kawhi. but i think that's when i go and grab Kawhi as nine or later the games played projection is probably the most interesting column in yahoo's projections because I mean, you have to make a, a very tough call, and yeah. <laughs> and some of the numbers here are probably not what I would have selected for these guys. Um, Bradley Beal at 80, so they think he's only... I mean, I know he played all of them last year, but that team's going to be horrendous. Uh, Kawhi's at 69, which is an interesting number. That's probably not far from what you were thinking for him. Yeah, I think uh, that's spot on, actually. Paul George is at 64. I think you probably have him higher than that. Yeah, I think that that'll be a little bit higher as well. 18 games, that's a lot. I mean, he's going to miss six, obviously. Let's say he misses four more. Um, and then maybe about five or six for low management. So I think it's closer to 66. Joel Embiid is listed at 66 games played, which is where he's been 
his best the best seasons of his career. He's been in the mid sixties. There's sort of plays, no who reason. Who plays more games? Paul George or Embiid? Mm. I'm gonna go Embiid by about two or three games. Interesting. I'll take George because I'm terrified of season starting injuries. That, that's, that, those are guys that those are those are risks. Those are risky plays. They got Steph at 70. By the way, that's, that's gonna be... really low. By the way, yeah, I, I don't see him playing. I mean, I see him playing way closer to 75, 76 unless he gets hurt. Yeah, I, I have I have more in the 74, 75 range as well. Giannis at 74, Harden at 75, AD at 74. And then, of course, Cat at 81. <laughs> He's the big guy on that list. What would prevent Giannis from missing so many games? Uh, they're just too good. The, the, he'll, he'll take a few games off here and there. He did it last year, too. It was sort of like this. Nobody really noticed, but he only played 72 games last season. Wow. I, I know. Not, right? I did not know that. Yeah, wow. Without really almost any injuries. That was just kind of like, yeah, he's a little nicked up. And Middleton took a few off, too, last year. Uh, the East is terrible, so they know they're in totally they're in perfectly good shape uh Jokic they only have at 76 he played every game last year so that's an interesting one as well I I just think when maybe the lesson here is less about looking at each individual guy than to say look look at the Yahoo projections and understand there are reasons beyond the the counting stats why guys are in the order they are like you said DeAndre Ayton is 11 but a lot of that's because they've got him playing 78 games and the guys around him are playing 64 70 69 Nine extra games is a really big deal. You know, if he, they had him at the same number of games as the other, these other guys, he'd probably about seven, eight slots behind them. So if you're drafting on total games played projection, if this is the type of stuff you're thinking about, this is where you have to make those moves. And for Kawhi, it's true. If he gets around 70 games, he's a first-round dude. If you don't think he's getting near that high, he's an early second-round dude. These are these are those critical draft day decisions it's also why you should tell your commissioner to run the random order if you're in a snake draft at least a few days ahead of time. So you can kind of get an idea of who's probably going to be on the board near your pick. Um, I, Brandon, I don't know how you deal with games played. Uh, for me, it's sort of like a couple of key factors. Number one, what's the storyline behind the team? Two, is this player actually injury prone or currently injured or is it an overblown storyline? Uh, and then beyond that, you sort of lump them into buckets because you know what really is the difference between them saying Giannis at 74 and Lillard at 76 like how do you make that call it's got to be for me more about like do we think this guy's going to get within five of the full season do we think he's going to get within 10 of the full season that's my breakdown it's a little bit and and of course that's I have the advantage here of not having to put my exact numbers on a sheet like Yahoo does but uh, it's why I think you can get caught up in one game here and there, and this ranking chart will do that. Uh, I mean, listen, it, it, and as an example, and then I'm going to stop monologuing here, Kawhi is 69 games played. Kyrie Irving is 70. They're right next to one another. If you, like, if you drop Kawhi by one more game played, he probably falls behind Kyrie on Yahoo's projections. So do you think he's at 68? Do you think he's at 69? Those are decisions that are not reasonable for us to have to make. 68 and 69 is the same as you do your projections for all intents and purposes. Just decide what kind of bucket you think they're going to fall into. How do you deal with the... Because you're more of a head-to-head guy, so you're probably looking more towards the end of the year when you're looking at games played, right? Yeah, it's funny because I don't even look at games played. I mean, I'm not going to sit there (laughs) and try and analyze 72 versus a 68. It's more of a... 
Okay, Embiid is injury prone. I'm not going to touch him. Okay, Paul George most likely is going to go earlier than I want. He's hurt. Not going to touch him. Russell Westbrook, I uh, don't really know what I'm going to get from him. He's hurt right now. Not going to touch him. I'm, I'm not projecting games for guys like Lillard versus Jokic versus uh, Bradley Beal. Like, I'm not doing that at the moment because it's impossible. Because if you're going to sit there and play that game, well, you need to make the playoffs first. So worry about trading a guy later on in the season if you think that maybe his team's going to tank. But win now. And if someone's healthy and is going to make you win now, then go for it. Yeah, so there's super healthy guys, there's mostly healthy guys, and there's not quite healthy guys, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Devin Booker's going to miss a lot of games. Devin Booker gets hurt every year. <laughs> uh, as nice as it would be to have Devin Booker, I'm not drafting Devin Booker. Nope, neither am I. Uh, games played do matter. Uh, look at those Yahoo projections, look at the games played column, and then lump them into your own buckets. Because the guys that they have listed at 81 could very easily be 79, and you'd still call that a massive success. And the guys that are listed at 65 could very easily be 67, and you'd still feel the exact same way about it. So don't treat the exact listing of their rankings as some sort of gospel, when a lot of that depends on Yahoo being forced. Again, I'm not trying to pin anything on them. They have to make this call, 68, 69 games, whatever, but it's pretty arbitrary, and it's really more about these buckets. Uh, Brandon, happy Brandon Day to you. Hey, Dan, I have one final thing. I think I found your player for the season. Ooh. <laughs> Who is it, the oldest man in the NBA? Is it Vince Carter? No, it is Mike Conley. And can I tell you why? Yes, please do. Because Tuesday, October 1st, that was yesterday, he left practice do you know why please say it was irritable bowel syndrome after experiencing a non-serious allergic reaction <laughs> he should be on brandon day <laughs> he needs to join us on a wednesday where it's the hell day is today next to him i was like what the hell happened to mike conley and then it's like oh just experienced a non-serious allergic reaction that's no idea what caused it but he'll be okay that's lactose right there i know i know that look that dude got got a little bloat going on he had to get the simethicone in his system and try to degas himself it's okay mike you'll be okay by tomorrow morning i can't even find him where the hell does mike conley go on the yahoo projections uh, 40 or 52, depends which, uh, if you're looking at current preseason, it's 40 current is 52, which is crazy. 52. Get out of here yeah. with that, Matt. Oh, they've got him at 68 games played. Yeah. Which is also crazy. By the way, speaking of Brandon, I mean, it's a great day to say this cause it is Brandon day for those of you that are taking Zantac for uh, acid reflux. I would advise you stop taking it. Supposedly yesterday they released a big thing about how uh, it's being taken off shelves everywhere because there are small doses of cancer um, that are oh my God. Poss possibly in it. Brandon, so, yes, if you take Zantac, <laughs> I advise not to take that. This show took a dark turn at the end. Hey, uh, <laughs> well, thanks thanks for that medical outlook from Brandon Marcus. Oh, God, it's not funny, but, you know, our shows are so weird. You never know what you're going to get on Brandon Day. BD Marcus on Twitter. Brandon, happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day. Man, you just, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, thanks to Brandon Marcus. Thank you to Greg Ehrenberg for a uh, wonderful Wednesday here on Fantasy NBA Today. I uh, want to remind everybody once again to check out our buddies at mybookie.ag before we wrap things up on today's show. Mybookie.ag. They're doing it right. Play, win, get paid. I cannot stress this enough to you. We went through the whole process, almost like a secret shopper. We at Hoopball 
did the deposit, learned about the rollover, and got on the phone with customer service, and they handled us like pros. This is the first online book that actually gives a flying crap about what its customers think. They don't just screw you over. They actually take care of their customers. They've got player perks. they got great lines, great odds, and they're matching you. They're deposit matching. So when you open your account, use the promo code today, T-O-D-A-Y, when you sign up, T-O-D-A-Y, at mybookie.ag. They'll match your first deposit up to 1000 bucks. We are going to clean up, and we're going to do it with bonus money in the tank. So thank you once again to our buddies at mybookie.ag. want to remind everybody here at the end of the show as well, I mentioned it right at the outset, but if you want to get involved with us here at HoopBall, please reach out immediately. Don't wait. This is recruiting time. This is where you've got a clear path to doing stuff for a fantasy basketball website with global reach. We're across the country. We're across the world, man. Uh, one of our editors, Eric Ong, he lives in the Philippines. So you can be anywhere provided you can write. That's it. Uh, the editor position, you got to be very good. Again, it's morning afternoon editor here in the States. We're working on States time for that one. Uh, but we're also taking blurbers, podcasters, you name it. Hit me up at D-A-N. That's Dan. If you can't spell Dan, well, you probably shouldn't be a writer for hoop ball. Uh, Dan, and then the last name is Bespris. B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, B as in boy, R-I-S. B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hit me up immediately. Thanks for listening to another long one here, but we got a lot of things to talk about these days. Back tomorrow with Coach and another pro breaking down their team from our Industry 9-cat Rotomock. Friday, uh, eyes on the ground. We'll have sweet nuggets with Adrian Benjamins and one more pro. Two more pros next week, and then we move on to additional topics here on the show, including the ESPN Top 100s. They have three different lists going right now. I am Dan Baspers for Brandon and Greg. Have a wonderful day. We will talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.